Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus to build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Of course, I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm glad that you're with us today as we complete our series, Family Matters, where we have been talking about building healthy habits, biblical habits for healthy homes. And of course, that applies to us as a church family as well. We want to make sure we apply all of these things here. And uh, just as to jog our memory thus far as we've gone through, so the three habits that we've covered thus far, we began, and we talked about how healthy homes, healthy families have an attitude of serving, that we're going to be serving one another. This is the, helps us step out of selfishness into that position of love and selflessness, being able to help each other. And as we do that, we also discuss that we need to be forgiving, that uh, healthy families don't hold grudges. We don't have little landmines that we bury in our lives just waiting for other people to walk across them so we can blow up all over them. No, we genuinely forgive from our hearts and learning how to do that. And as we forgive one another, last week we talked about how we also are honoring and giving each other due respect, whether it's respect that's just given to us based upon the roles that we have in our relationships, in our life, or the honor or the respect that we have earned through having godly living. So those are the ways we've started. Today we're going to complete this series by talking about this fourth really important habit that every healthy home really needs to have, especially healthy churches, but our homes, and that is this. We need to be praying and learning how to pray. And that's what we'll be talking about. Of course, before we do our memory verse, I really hope by now this is starting to stick to your heart and mind. It is a very short memory verse, uh, but extremely powerful. And uh, if you have uh, not had a chance to memorize it yet, it's new to you, don't worry, it is short. And so we'll go through it one more time today. So you can say it along with me. Three, two, one. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. First John 4.21. Again, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. First John 4.21. And one more time to lock it in. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 1 John 4, 21. Awesome. If you haven't had a chance to really set that into your heart and mind, there's that memory verse uh, card uh, that, that uh, yeah, that memory verse card that we attach onto the connection card there. You can take that off with you this week and be thinking about that. Put it anywhere where you find it difficult to love your brother and sister. So wherever that is going to be in life, that's a great spot to put that card. If you're joining us online, you just got to write it down on an envelope, or write to us and let us know, and we'll ship out one of those memory verse cards for you. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open them up today to Ephesians chapter 6. And that's where we're going to be. This is Paul's letter to the, book of, uh, to the church of Ephesus. It was a church that was planted right in the city where one of the ancient wonders of the world, seven ancient wonders of the world, where it was a... a uh, goddess temple and so people would travel all over the world to go worship at this goddess temple and the church was planted there talk about having a little bit of opposition the culture was a little bit against the church there they were kind of not wanting the church to do well because the church was in the absolutely opposite thing that the whole culture was around can you imagine living in a society like that well that's where this letter was written to and in the midst of all of this opposition, we see ultimately the church overcame. We know Ephesus not by some forgotten old... In fact, if you go to Ephesus and you look around the town, there is, a, there is the remains of the early church that was there. You can see that on this pathway that kind of goes up right to before the Colosseum where they had this... Uh, uh, this uh, uh, Paul was there and they had a riot, the most organized riot in all of history, uh, was there at this Colosseum. And, uh, 
There's a church that's planted there, but where is the temple to the goddess Artemis? Where, where is that? Hmm, I don't know. It's outside of town. It's forgotten. Nobody even cares about it anymore, right? The church overcame, which is pretty awesome if you think about it. How did the church overcome in the opposition? How did it go into a, a society which was so difficult? And then we see the gospel actually become victorious in the midst of it. And not just survive, but to thrive and to define. When you talk about Ephesus, people talk about the church of there. They don't even t- talk about an ancient wonder of the world. Most people forgot about that ancient wonder. How did that happen? Well, the book of Ephesus gives us a lot of opportunity to learn about how did the church learn to apply God's word and, and scripture. And in the end of uh, the book of Ephesus, chapter 6, we end up getting some really good uh, advice, some counsel that helps us to see how do we live this victorious life in the midst of difficult circumstances. And I think for a lot of us, home can be a difficult circumstance. Have you ever felt overwhelmed at home? Have you ever felt like, uh, like it's just uh, the problems of life maybe a little overpowering? Like just too much? Well, there's a good reason for that. Um, the world is bigger than you, and oftentimes our problems are bigger than us, which is why we need to pray. In fact, if we get to this chapter here, uh, hopefully all of that long description gave you opportunity to turn into your scripture to this point. I'm going to start reading at verse 10. And here's what the apostle writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. For this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Isn't that a great passage? This is how we are to live as Christians. Not as cowering in the back corners because there is some mighty temple out there or the culture comes against us or the winds of the, of the enemy are blowing strong against the homes of, uh, we, we dwell in. This is not what we're supposed to be, not cowards. You know, we live victorious, but we don't do it foolishly. And I hope you notice in there that he talks about first, yeah, I've got to armor up, got to make sure that we're not just out there on our own. But then once we're armored up, what do we do? We pray. Did you see that? Get all dressed up, right? Get all the stuff. Make sure that we're we're set to go in God. But then, what do we do? Storm the gates of hell? No, pray. Pray. And why do we pray? Well, there's a reason that we need to pray. And the first one is we need a better perspective. 
first thing that we find here in Scripture, in this passage, is that the reason that healthy homes and healthy Christians are people of prayer is because we don't see things as they fully are. Did you see that in here? It says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood. Did you get that? Because what do you see with your eyes? Flesh and blood. We see people. And most of our problems, if we're honest, we think come from people. Right? There's, of course, nature offers a, enough problems of its own as well. But a lot of our problems are because of other people. At least that's what we think. So we begin to hate other people, and we make enemies of other people, and we fight against people. And then the reality is we fight the wrong battles, and we wonder why we don't have victory in our lives. A lot of people in our homes, sometimes we think that maybe our spouse is the enemy, or our children are the enemy, or our parents is the enemy. Or in churches, sometimes we're like, well, that person, I don't like them very much. They're the enemy, right? We do that to each other. And instead of fighting the real enemy, we fight these false wars that only wound ourselves and our own homes and our own culture. One of the things that we find here in Scripture is it tells us that we have a bigger battle that you can't see. And so we need to pray. There is an example that came from my own life I'd like to share with you. A couple of years ago, this church was very nice and said, Aaron, you need to leave for a while to rest so you don't get burnt out. And so they sent me and my family away for a time that we could go to my parents' property and we spent 10 weeks over and there's in Hawaii. This is happens where it be. And I praise God because it could have been like in Arizona or something, but it wasn't. And we had 10 weeks together and to refresh and it was wonderful like we had this little tiny place that we're all together real close got along 100 percent, perfectly fine right it was just fantastic then we come back and the day we come back we get into our house and all of a sudden there was like this this spirit amongst us of just being offended like i i was angry at thomas and at amy and they were at, at me and we were just just right time it was bad right as soon as we got home we're like, we had 10 weeks. We all got along just fine. Now we have this nice big house. We're all back at home. Everything's, what's going on? I was like, Ugh. And Amy, my beautiful, intelligent, and brilliant wife, says, this is not us. I think there's something bad in this home. We need to pray. And she was right. And we prayed and said, God, what is, what is wrong with us? Right? And we went through the house, and we cleaned house, too. And we went through, and I was like, hey, if there are any, we are in here, uh, principalities, powers uh, of darkness from the evil world, if anything like that is here, you got to go, because this isn't your house. This place belongs to Jesus. It wasn't an eloquent prayer. I didn't put on a collar or anything like that. I didn't, you know, throw olive oil over the house or anything like that. We just said, if you're a dark force, you don't belong here, get out. And you know this amazing thing happened is it did leave immediately. And there was restoration in our home. I learned something from that. Now I pray through the church every, you know, very, actually really often. <laughs> and what I discovered, like a these sometimes we carry in bad things into our homes kind of like if you ever stepped in doggy do you know you walk on a you know and then you walk into your home you don't know it's on your foot then you walk around all of a sudden your house smells bad and you're like where did that come from right and it's just in your house and now you got a clean house it's not that you meant to it's not it's just it's dragging in man dark evil spirits are just kind of like that sometimes 
and we just drag it in. You just got to clean house. If it starts to stink, pray. But I'll tell you this, oftentimes what we need to do is begin by asking God, what's the real problem? This last year, I don't know if it's some of you, but I got frustrated with the things that I was seeing that were happening in our world. And I was getting really mad at the people in the world, thinking that's flesh and blood. And like mad, mad, not good mad. We're going to talk about next week, we're going to start a Jonah series, and I was way too close to Jonah, right? Way too close to Jonah. But when you begin praying, you say, God, I need your perspective. I need you to show me what really is the problem. You know the cool thing about God is that he sees what we can't. So oftentimes we fix the wrong things in our home because we're not, we're not fighting the right fight. So the first thing we need to do is pray. If there's an issue going on between you and your spouse, between you and your kids, between you and your grandkids, if something's going on there, start with asking God, what is the deal? Right? Invite God into it. The second reason we have to pray is this, is that we need more power. Now in there it says that we do have a battle. It's not against other people, but against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. That's a lot of power you're going up against. Now, there are some people who have falsely said that God will never give you more than you can handle. That is absolutely not in Scripture. What is in Scripture is God's never going to give you more temptation then you will be able to resist. That's what it says. He'll be there to make sure that he's not setting you up for moral failure. That's what the promise is. But here's the reality. This world is more than you can handle, and the devil is bigger than you. That's just the reality of it. That this world is more than we can handle, which is why we need a Savior. Now, here's the promise, though, a much better promise. Though this world will always be more than we can handle, it's never going to be more than God can handle. Jesus has said, I give you peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Already done. He's already bigger than it. If you're trying to fight your battles, just you, you're going to lose. But if you bring God into the battle, he's going to win. Which is why here it says you put on everything and then just do everything you have to do to stand. Right? Isn't that amazing that you say, put on this full armor, and then after you've done everything to stand, just stand. God's like, get geared up, but I'm here with you. It's like that wonderful story of David and Goliath. Do you think David took down Goliath on his own? No, there was a God that was with him. That's why he was confident. And we are standing up against the giants of this world, and some of them are invisible. How do we have the confidence to stand? Because God's doing battle with us. You have to ask him, though. That's the power of prayer. See, God is a gentleman. He's not going to impose himself in your life. The whole purpose of this whole world is to teach us that we make horrible gods. Will we ever get to heaven and look back on this and think, well, you know, actually, maybe we should take over again. When you get to heaven, we'll look back on this earth and be like, well, clearly we don't do a good job running everything, so we're going to default to you, God. You're actually much better at leading. The amazing thing is in the midst of this, in this incredible object lesson that we get to live within, God says, I will help you if you ask you, if you ask me. So invite his power. So many of us have problems in our lives that are overwhelming us and they're destroying us. And, and we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, well, you haven't asked. And when we do ask, oftentimes we ask for the wrong things. We're like, God, smite that person and said, God, give me the power, the grace to be able to handle this. I want to see you overcome. So 
Ask for power. Ask for God's help. Pray for the things you think are impossible. And wait on God. That's why we pray. Third reason that we need to pray is this, is that we're not alone. Did you know that God is real? That he actually exists? That's one of the fundamental characteristics of God. When Moses asked, hey, I need your name. And, and God says, I am, because I, I am. <laughs> That's it. He just is self-existent. That's one of the things that he is. He is reality. In fact, he is the reality behind reality. Everything exists because of him, right? God is real. When you pray, you're not talking to your hand or a wall or the ceiling or the sky. You're talking to a real God. Now, I want you to think about how crazy that is, because when you become a Christian, God says, I move into your life. I actually come into your own body and I dwell in that space with your own spirit. And if we're not praying, you know how rude that is? You ever gone to somebody's house and then they just didn't say anything? You know how rude that would be? Like God is there with you. If you are in Christ, God is in you and he is with you right now. Don't ignore him. He is the best house guest ever. Talk to him. We pray because God is with us. And so we don't have to pray little things. It says, hey, listen, when you pray, pray in the spirit with all occasions, all kinds of prayers, man, talk to God. Get to know him. Invite his power into your life, right? Prayerless families and churches are ripe for destruction because they ignore God and his power and his presence. They try to take on everything under their own steam, and, and God will let us do that. He'll let us try it out. But let's not be that way. We need to be able to develop the power of prayer so we can invite God's presence, acknowledge his presence in our life, and invite his power. And then we get to work alongside him. Isn't that an amazing thing? Being this partner with God in our own lives. As Christians, I hope I've made a good defense here of why Scripture would say to pray, but then how do you do it? I don't know about you, but I, I didn't grow up just being like an awesome prayer person, right? I grew up in the Catholic Church, which had a lot of awesome things that were in it, but one of the things that wasn't awesome is they didn't teach me a lot about how to really pray. They had a lot of things to do to pray, which I appreciated, but I didn't really ever love it. Mostly prayer was, to me, an obligation. This thing I just had to do, and I had to do it right, or else watch out. And because of that, when I first became a Christian, I was really had a hard time talking to God. So let me share with you a few things that I got to put into my life, and I've gotten to help some other people as I've discipled folks throughout the years, how to build a habit of prayer. And it's not hard. Okay, the first thing we need to do is pray in the Spirit. That's what it says here in this passage. It says here... Uh, in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. This is huge. The praying in the Spirit is not just praying in our flesh. Right? There's this difference that you see Paul drawing there. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, so we pray in the Spirit. How do you do that? Well, when I pray in the flesh, it's all about this. It's about this obligation. It's this thing that I have to do, right? It was to, to go through all of the little beads and to do all the little things and have all the little check boxes. Or some of us that are more Protestant in our backgrounds, if we have our, our little daily checklist that that's exactly what we're going to do. And I'm going I'm to talk to God, and I'm just going to do this because, right? Praying in the Spirit is different. It's not a religious exercise. And this is how I get to there. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples how to pray. Right? So in Matthew 6, he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. Right? He says, hey, this is how you're going to pray. But before he tells us how to pray, Jesus tells us how not to pray. And the prelude to 
to the, the, the Lord's Prayer, we read this, Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, Jesus saying, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their word in full. That's not praying in the spirit. That's praying in, praying in the flesh. That's praying so that other people will see me for who I'm doing, and sometimes it's just me, so I can feel like I'm a better person, right? But I'm praying for me, and that's the only reason, right? That's a hypocrite. an actor. That's what a hypocrite was. Somebody put on a, a mask, and then they would pretend to be something else. We don't want to pretend to talk to God. We actually want to talk to God. That's what we want to do, right? And so when we talk to God, we remember that God is spirit. Right? And we want to worship him in spirit and truth. We want to engage with him where he's at. We want to be able to know that we are actually talking to a real God. So we really talk to him. Right? Jesus goes on then and he explains then a little bit more what to do. He says, So when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. See, oftentimes when we pray to God, we pull out scripts and we play act. You think about most actors. They have a, a script, right? They memorize it, and then they do it, and it looks convincing. This is not how we're supposed to pray. That's not praying in the Spirit. See, praying in the Spirit is a real conversation with a real God. Can you imagine if, uh, if you went on a date with somebody, and you, like maybe a first date or something, they sat down there, and you're like, hey, you know, how you doing? And they pull out a script. It was somebody else's conversation that they had with you before. And you thought it was a good conversation, so they just pulled it out. They're like, hello, Aaron. Uh, it's nice to see you today. I'm glad that you like football. And right, Wouldn't that be stupid? But we do that with God. We pull out other people's prayers, other people's conversations, and we talk to him. I mean, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from your own spirit, your own heart. We engage with God for who he is. It's a real conversation. This is praying in the Spirit. I think that once I realized this, it's not that I despised the, the prayers that I learned before. It was growing up, I learned all of these rote prayers, and before dinner, we would have a prayer that we would always say. It was always the same words and all those things. It wasn't that that was bad, but it was just teaching me how to. It was teaching me how to have a conversation with God, but at some point, I had to have conversations with God. At some point, I had to go and actually talk to him. Now, when you do that, it's awkward. And it was really awkward for me. I mean, the first time you have a conversation with a new person, it usually is kind of strange. Like this last week, I had a couple of uh, uh, interviews with some folks that are looking to have positions as church, and it's been wonderful and uh, awesome guys, but it's awkward because you don't know this person. You don't know their facial cues. You don't know what they like. You don't want to say something wrong, all that kind of stuff. It's just an awkward thing. But the longer I get to talk to somebody, the easier it gets, right? It's the same with God. When the first time you have a real prayer to God, it's going to feel really strange. You'll be like, hello, God. Goodbye, <laughs> right? <laughs> that might be it. It could be help. But it, you have to stick with it. You can have conversation, and it gets better. So that's why the second thing we need to do is pray regularly. That's what it says here. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. All occasions. That means regularly. Because pretty much right now is part of all occasions, isn't it? Yeah, like right now. So, yeah, we schedule times to talk, right? Just like my wife and I have scheduled dates or we have appointments, we can talk with people. But you also just want to talk with God throughout the day. That's that ongoing prayer that you have. Not to think that I can only pray at these certain times. I can only pray when I wake up and when I have food and when I go to bed. 
But that God wants, he's with you, right? He's with you all day long. And if you see an awesome sunrise, you'll be like, Lord, praise God I'm awake this early. For starters, that's just a miracle. And secondly, wow, right? Talk to him. If you need help, Lord, this scares me right now. I need help. Pray in all occasions, which is a regular type of thing. You know, as a church, we're trying to help us develop that because we want to disciple you or disciples of Jesus that build generational transformational disciples. It's one of the reasons that we've done this whole take five thing. We're trying to challenge you to at least five times a week, get into prayer, talk to God, learn how to. We give you some topics to talk to him about, but you need to learn how to talk to God. We want to invite his power. The third thing we want to do is we talk to God, pray abundantly. It says there, not just pray in all kinds of occasions, but with all kinds of prayers. You see that? There's all kinds of ways that you could talk to God. Can you imagine if you had a conversation with someone, it was the same conversation every single time? Like, hey, Aaron, how you doing? Uh, well, hi, Jimmy. Um, I need you to do this. 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 Okay, goodbye. Every time that was the only conversation we ever had, do you think that I would like talking to him? No. It would be boring, wouldn't it? But how often that we go to God and we have one type of prayer, and that is my requests. God, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. Have a great day. Bless me, please. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of thin. That's not an abundant prayer life. That is a verily, that's like eating McDonald's every day, every meal, all the time. We want something bigger. God has something more for you. He has real conversation, real relationship that he wants to have with you. There's all kinds of prayers that you can have. Now, I mean, think about it. You could talk to God about all kinds of things. You could say, God, this is just conversational prayer. Like throughout the day, uh, I, you know, I'm thinking to the Lord, uh, Lord, I'm just being a real stinker. Like the last two days, I've been in a sour mood. Just a sour mood. No good reason, just sour mood. And I'm talking to God about it. I'm like, Lord, why am I in such a sour mood? <laughs> right? It's a conversation. Like, show me so that I can stop being just mad, right? And he does. Sometimes there's prayers of help. Like you're driving downtown and all of a sudden somebody decides to do something stupid. You're like, help, God, right? You could do that. There's prayers that you could say, God, here's somebody I love that needs your help. Please help them. We call that intercession, but it's just praying for somebody else, right? There are times that we just pray prayers of gratitude, like every morning when I go up and I make my wife coffee, I pray a prayer of thankfulness for her every single morning. And it's always something new because it would be boring to God if every time I said the same thing to him, right? Plus, there's a lot of cool things about my wife. There are amazing things that you can do. You could talk to God all kinds of different ways. And I want you to consider how awesome that is. The president has advisors. And those advisors are able to come into his office every single day and they can only talk to the president about certain things, right? That's all they're authorized to talk to the president about. Give him the report, the updates of what's happening either in the, you know, the defense area or the budget or whatever, right? That's the one thing. They can't talk to the president about their families or about their problems or about the ball games or anything like that. They don't get to talk to him about it. They don't have the authority to talk to the president about those things. And yet you can talk to God, and he tells you to, about all kinds of things every day. So don't squander it. You have the listening ear of God Almighty. You want to see a church that doesn't just survive in a hostile environment that thrives, that can overcome the, the wonders of the evil world around us? You have to be a praying church. You want to see families that can survive and thrive in a culture that is designed to destroy families? You need to be praying families, which is why we need to build these habits of prayer.
and it's not hard. We pray in the Spirit. You learn how to talk to God. Really talk to Him. Right? Just work on it. You pray regularly. Just get into the habit. Just start talking to God. It becomes more regular in your life. And pray all kinds of prayers. Pray abundantly. And God will do this work in you. And as you begin to invite God into your home and into your church and into your community, the cool thing about God is He's pretty powerful. And He overcomes the biggest things. So let's be praying. This series, we talked about a few things, actually, that we need to be doing. And as I bring it, to kind of wrap this together, I want you to see that we, we need to be serving, right? We have to have all of these in our life. That build that habit of, of serving one another, stepping out of selfishness into selflessness, using your gifts, the abilities that God has given you to serve somebody else first, to serve the Lord first, right? And if we're serving God, if we love God, we have to love our brother and sister, which is why most of our ministries here at the church actually help other people. Gain the habit of serving one another. As we do, practice forgiveness. Forgiveness, remind me, it's not an event. It is, it is commitment, man. It is, it is a process. You forgiving somebody, you go, okay, I'm mad at them because of what they did. God, I'm handing this over to you, and I'm not going to look to get even with them anymore, right? I'm handing it over to you. And then five minutes later, you'll be like, okay, God, I'm handing it back over to you again. And eventually, after however long it takes, you don't have to do that anymore. And you've finally forgiven them. But it's a process, but practice it. Forgive from your heart. Also, honor one another. Let's be a place and let our homes be a place where we give each other the respect that is due them because of their roles and because of the, of the ways that the, we've, uh, they've, your people that you love in your life have earned your respect. But also be the type of people that earn respect. And let's fill our roles that God has given us respectfully. And as we do that, let's be remembering to pray. Pray often, pray regularly. And let's see what God can do. Hopefully, I've given you something in that, something to do, but I do have some ideas, just in case you're wondering. On the back of your connection cards, there's four things that I think are ways that you can begin to apply what we've talked about today so that you can develop the habit of prayer. And so if you have your connection card, you see on the back side there. The first thing is I'm going to encourage you to memorize that 1 John 4.21. Why? Because if you claim to love God, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. That passage is a prayer as well. Right? There are times, there are people in your homes, in your families, in your lives that are going to be difficult to love. And I sometimes, there's difficult people, that's a passage that I can pray back to God. <laughs> I say, God, I love you. Show me how to love this person. Right? That is a prayer. Memorize it. Put it into your life. Read Matthew chapter 6. I encourage you to do that. You can also read Ephesians 6 if you want. It's a fun chapter. But, I, but read Matthew 6. That is the Lord's Prayer. You want to look at wh what does it mean to pray and how to pray? It's a great place to go to. Another thing I'm going to encourage you to do is do it, take our five, our pray five that we're doing as a church, our take five things. And in case you didn't know what those were, we have them on our, our backside of our, our thing here. Every day a week, we'd ask you to pray. And Mondays, we ask you to pray for our, our, our new home, right? Because God is working in us. The church is going to grow, right? We're bringing in the harvest this year, gathering the scattered. Pray for God to give us a space eventually in the right place. Tuesday, we want you to be praying for our families, right? That our families need it, our homes need it. Be praying for that, your family, on Tuesday. Wednesday, why don't you be praying for our community? The Estes Park and, and even, our, uh, even the bigger government around us, but the people and the community that we live in, your neighbors, all of that. Pray for your community. Talk to God about them. Thursday, right? That's our five to invite. These are five people in your life who need a church, that need a place, a church home to come to, and a lot of them may need to know Jesus. Well, if you're not talking to God about them first, why do you think they're going to listen to you? 
to have a day a week. You're just going to talk to God. Say, hey, God, help bring this person. Give me a time, opportunity, words, wisdom, courage to invite them when the time is right. And Friday, pray for our church, right? We're going to encourage you. This is a way that you can begin developing that habit of prayer, but it is just the beginning of the habit, so take that. Also, uh, if you would like more uh, intensive and more directed training, Kate McMillan has started a prayer team, and it's meeting on Zoom, and it's once a week, and it's teaching you how to pray, but also giving us opportunity to be praying for the church and for each other. And if you would like to be part of that, I say it's fantastic stuff. If you want to be part of that, that's what you need to do is on your connection card, write down prayer team on there, and we'll make sure we have your email address because that's how that Zoom thing works, I think. So we can make sure that we get you invited to the next one as part of that. If you're joining us online, just email us. Let us know on that online connection card. All right, so I've given you hopefully all something to do uh, along with letting us know your prayer requests because we do pray for you every week and at uh, the end of this message, we'll have the worship team come up. We're going to have a, a time of commitment and then uh, as we release, I encourage you to take your connection cards and your offerings and drop them in the back, uh, the box there at the back. Uh, if you're online, of course, to make your offerings and your commitments, let us know what they are. All right, so as we uh, have the worship team come up, please join me for prayer. Father God, thank you for your love that you loved us first, and therefore because you loved us, you've given us the ability to not just love you, but also to love one another. Father, I pray for this church that you'd help us to be a healthy home, a healthy church family, filled with healthy families. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we grow in this to learn how to serve one another. Give us the heart and attitude and time and commitment to step out of selfishness and to selfless service towards one another. Father, I pray as a church, as we are able to start meeting, gathering more and more, that you'd help us to also develop our ministries and so we can serve one another in such a way that the world sees that we also truly love you. Father, we also, in we, as we do that, as we learn to serve, help us to be forgiving. We ask you for forgiveness for our shortcomings. Father, give us a heart to forgive others. And if there's any hardness in our hearts that you would help us to really, truly forgive, let that go as we uh, lean on your grace. Lord, we, as we do that, Father, I, I ask that you'd help us to grow as an honoring church, that we would give each other respect because you have given us the highest honor. Jesus died for our sins. I can't imagine how highly uh, that is in your, in your mind the esteem you've given us. Help us to show respect to those that we live in this community with in our homes and in this church in a way that brings you glory. Uh, Father, we also pray you'd help us to learn how to be better conversationalists with you. Draw us into prayer this week and, and this month and this year. Help us to learn how to invite you into our lives so that we can see your power come alive in us and through us. And Father, now as we go, I pray your blessing over this congregation, the commitments that we've made. Help us to draw closer to you in them and through them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.